I am a sea of love. 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 You are a sea of love. You are a sea of love. We are a sea of love. We are a sea of love. Hello and welcome to the Womb Centered Healing Podcast. I'm Sama Morningstar and I have some announcements to share with you about what's going on in the Womb Centered Healing Temple this summer 2021. First of all, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And if you'd like to receive announcements in an email email form for each new um, podcast that comes out, as well as blogs, blog articles that are often related to the podcast topics, as well as upcoming courses and events, you can subscribe to the Womb Centered Healing Temple newsletter by visiting wombcenteredhealing.com. And I also encourage you, if you love this podcast, to please support it financially. You can subscribe financially through Anchor um, by making a, a, a monthly contribution of you know, a small contribution. They start at 99 cents, you know, <laughs> to really support this podcast and support the work that that I'm doing to make all of this wonderful information available to you and inspire you to think about the womb as the center of your universe. Once again, return to that womb of wisdom that resides within you. So if that feels like something you want to support financially, that's how you can do it. Um, Also, if you're interested in diving deeper into some of the topics and to really take a period of devotion in your life, devote some time and some energy in your life to deepening this practice of womb-centered living, I encourage you to take a look at the courses and workshops and particularly the Biomystical Womb Apprenticeship program that you can learn more about by visiting wombcenteredhealing.com and there's a button up at the top of the page that says Biomystical Womb Apprenticeship. You can go there and listen to um, some introductory videos and look at the details of the program and you don't have to do the whole 13-month program if you wanted to try out one of the eight phases in the program. Each phase is about a month long and I'm often sharing on the podcast and you know on these through the newsletter about the upcoming phases. So if you subscribe, then you'll start to get a sense of what the different phases are that are happening live 
throughout the year, um, but they're also available uh, in recorded form. So you can do any of them at any time throughout the year. Um, To just dive deeper and really devote some time to discovering and learning about and reinitiating yourself into the power of the womb. So don't hesitate to, to visit the website, wombcenteredhealing.com, and connect in that way. All right, that's all for now. Uh, enjoy the episode today. Thanks. Hello and welcome to the Womb Centered Healing Podcast. I'm Salma Morningstar and I have Laura here with me today. Thank you so much, Laura, for joining us. I met Laura online as usual and um, Laura was sharing about this project, this craft project, sacred embroidery you're doing, but I, as far as I understand, not everyone is doing embroidery, but I don't know, you're going to clarify because I didn't get the whole scoop yet. And, but what I do remember is that this project is to commemorate um, witches who were burned at the stake. Is that right? Yeah, thank you so much for having me on, Sama. Um, the project is called the Medicine Spoon Memorial. And um, I think specifically it's to honor the witches who were persecuted in the UK um, during the burning times. However, my understanding is that depending on where they were persecuted, whether it was Scotland or the south of England or Ireland, it may have been that they were drowned, it may have been that they were hung, it could have been that they were burnt. So I think it's possible that there were many different, um, you know, iterations of their stories. And, and this is based on records, I'm imagining. Yes. That someone that, that is leading up, heading up this project has um, researched and found these records and is giving out names and perhaps some details about each of these persons uh, identities and lives to people like yourself who want to do some sort of commemorative project. Could you tell us more about how all that works? Yeah, so um, the artist's name is Karen Thompson and she is part of a sisterhood um, that is a project um, by Callie White and she runs the Silver Spoon Collective and it is um, essentially um, ancestral healing of the witch wound. And so um, Karen has taken um, from her part in the Silver Spoon Collective, she's kind of, as an artist, she's decided to go and as you say, um, there is actually online quite a lot of information. And um, what she does is that she has printed these memorial um, medicine spoons onto pieces of fabric, all different fabrics. And I think there's nine different types of spoons. And all that she sends you is the name. Um, So you can go and do the research yourself as to who this person was. And I actually think that that is um, almost part of the unfolding of the journey um, of going on this. I guess we can talk more about kind of how I've gotten to that. (laughs) Wow, I'm fascinated. So do do you receive this printed 
medicine spoon on the fabric and then you yeah. go and research this person's name and find out what you find out and then you're embroidering what are you embroidering can you show us you're embroidering onto the fabric or maybe other people does everyone embroider onto the fabric or what yeah i mean from what i've seen of the spoons that have been sent back to her on her instagram account she started to kind of put up the pictures there has such a variety and i think ultimately um she just wants everybody to go on their own journey and to memorialize it in whatever way. So that might be embroidery, but it could, it could equally be quilting or sticking or sequins or anything, you know, it could, it could be anything. The only caveat is that um, the name has to be somehow put on to the spoon and that we leave enough of a border because they're all going to be put up in this incredible project. Um, hundreds and hundreds of spoons are all gonna be um, exhibited together. So it's gonna be an art exhibit. So these yeah. fabric spoons are going to be displayed. I was thinking, would they be quilted together? I don't know yet. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so this is a in, in progress, work in progress that's gonna be this big, collaborative thing. So can you show us your spoon so yes. far? Yes, so far, this is my spoon. I'm sorry, the name is backwards, but her name is Anne Crab. Uh -huh. um, and as you can see, we get the spoon. Um, and I've done something quite specific. I think ultimately you might start with the spoon, just a blank inked black spoon. Uh -huh. um, so yeah. Um, but you but it, put it, you put it so that the spoon is stirring uh, in the cauldron. Yeah. Fire underneath yeah. it. So what did you learn about Anne Crab? Yeah, so really interestingly, Anne was persecuted by another woman. And it would seem from the records that the other woman accused her of um, causing her leg to fall off. So I'm assuming it was gangrenous and I don't know whether perhaps she went to her as kind of some kind of healer or wise woman, which, uh, you know, I have no idea um, why she ended up accusing her of this. Um, but it essentially she, that was the crime that she was persecuted for, for causing another woman's leg to rot off. Um, so really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, where did you find this record? I mean, how how did you do this research? It's quite easy. Um, on on Google, there is a UK some some amazing person has compiled um, a very decent um, uh, explanation of, of all of the records that were actually really good, because once the um, Hammer of the Witches came out, the um, they kept the most amazing records of what they did and how they, um, you know, taught these women a lesson. And so it's it's really quite harrowing because you can um, you can see exactly what they did, whether they used the Iron Maiden, whether they pulled teeth and nails, whether they were hung. Yeah, and it's it's a real, you know, that really ignites the witch wound in us, doesn't it? To even acknowledge that this is something that is a collective shadow for women. Um, 
and not only women either. I mean, uh, of course, homosexual men were often uh, accused of being witches, and um, I imagine even you know heterosexual men that were into herbalism or yeah, you know, even too devoted to their to their empowered wife, or you know what I mean. <laughs> Absolutely, sure yeah. Plenty of plenty of people, uh, not just women, that were persecuted yeah. for similar reasons. Um, and it reminds me of uh, part of my heritage, which is um, how the Native American people were persecuted by the Catholic Church for for the especially particularly in Mexico and 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 the the whole inquisition of anyone who was practicing Native American you know indigenous spirituality practices and one of my um, mentors was a poet who uh, Francisco Alarcón, you can look up because he did a similar project uh, for some of his poetry where he found records kept by the Catholic Church of, that were the only written records of the practices themselves that his indigenous ancestors were engaging in, but in the context wow. of being recorded as guilty verdicts for these people and then what was done to them for practicing this or that practice. And so his, some of his poetry, at least one of his poetry books was reclaiming those practices from the, the, the horror of those records and reclaiming that heritage um, and putting it in, putting it in writing in an honoring sacred way. And so it it's, seems very similar to what you're doing here. And I have a big curiosity about if there are records like that in in the United States, because there were tons of, um, not only for witches, but um, for, I'm sure that there were Catholic church things going on uh, against Native American and other practices as well, um, mm -hmm. in, in, you know, indigenous, practices and and like that and um yeah so it's just opening up this like what other projects could happen like this and would this I mean this sounds like a practice for in the UK but I'm curious if this artist might want to collaborate with somebody who might want to find the records in other parts of the world where similar things have taken yes. place and did absolutely so well, so tell us a little bit more about you, um, Laura, <laughs> and and your womb centered healing journey. And there must have been there. There's got to be things that led up to you discovering this art project and saying send me. Um, yeah, I'm I'm conscious that we only have you know a short amount of time, but <laughs> but yeah, um, highlights. The, the highlights, highlights, yeah, the highlights. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so I um, was born into a family with um, a lot of inherited ancestral trauma in my matrilineal line, and my mother was. Um, really, really sick and um, had lots of mental health issues. And um, I was lucky enough to um, 
have my father growing up who was this amazing um, man who was incredibly open and was um, really into spirituality and mythology and um, he was kind of like my personal um, guide uh, and as much as I think as a child I felt a lot of disconnect to being in a feminine body I felt the disconnect of not having my um, kind of attachment with my mother and and you know the kind of wounding of what she had been through and um, you know as you get older you start to really understand the kind of neural connections and um, how it all plays out um, it, through through trauma ancestrally and um, I was made aware when I got old enough that there had been quite a lot of um, abuse in um, for her, you know, physically and um, sort of sexually. And um, it kind of, I started to connect a lot of dots. And as I started to kind of come of age myself and, and start to kind of journey through all of this, um, my dad used to take me on these pilgrimages to, to Glastonbury and introduce me to all these really interesting and, and wonderful people who um, so eventually kind of fast forward quite, quite a while but um, I guess he had always instilled a lot of a lot of magic into my former years. Um, I ended up in a, in a priestess school um, in Avalon and um, just, I guess, yeah, a lot suddenly came together about um, trauma, the womb, the church, patriarchy, <laughs> you know, all, all those big subjects. And um, I had been on a really big journey to reconnect myself to, as we were talking about before we began, like the, you know, being embodied and, and what it meant to really embody this body and this soul journey and, and how, um, how I was kind of ending up where I am now, which is, is doing um, birth work and um, being a birth keeper and um, healing womb trauma with women and um, kind of going on the same thing of, of reconnecting them um, to their power and to source and um, often women that have this sort of I guess similar um, situations that are occurring in their life and usually not exactly the same thing but stemming certainly from that same uh, you know sense of um, a lack of, of connection to their embodiment for whatever reason um and so yeah i um i did a lot of different lots and lots and lots of shadow work and lots of different trainings and lots of different healings and lots of different modalities and kind of um you know i guess and like a lot of us do kind of went on that real seeker um path to sort of connect all the dots and um and really see it now you know it feels very clear to me to sort of see things um, from the sort of priestess perspective uh, and from that perspective of um, mother earth and Gaia and the elements and our bodies and how we fit into the cosmos and and especially do you know as a birth keeper I think really witnessing um, that power 
of when a woman is that literal lightning rod and she is connecting to source and she is bringing in the soul and she's bringing them into embodiment and how important that is that journey that sacred space that birth journey for that child and um I guess it really informs how I birth keep as well and I've gone on a big journey with herbs and birth keeping and and kind of authentic midwifery and that sort of thing as well and I just I came across um this project and I thought well I I really really want to be involved in this because over the last I don't know 10 or 15 years I've been in circle with so many women who have said oh my gosh you know that really that really hit a nerve for me I, I think maybe that's the witch wound I think I've I think I've been here before I think I feel like I've either had that kind of throat sacra kind of you know strangulation or I've had that singeing of my toes and I can and I you know I'm 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 scared I'm, I'm actually genuinely feeling the, the the fear of that wounding and um uh, I think personally speaking you know and having now a lot of um women in my life that I know I feel that there is definitely uh, something there about how we've been connected before or how we've come to be together now and um, I found it really interesting that when I wrote off for this um, the day it arrived in my post box was the day that I actually had to go and have um, some oral surgery and I had to have a tooth removed and it was a tooth that I broke during labor with my son three years earlier and it was um, on the masculine side it was deeply interconnected with the fact that my father had been super ill and then we had cared for him and then he had died just a few weeks before my son came earthside. And so breaking this tooth at home in, in labor, in my power, and then three years later, kind of having gone on that cyclical journey with a lot of grief and a lot of joy and a lot of death and a lot of life and seeing those real familial connections. Um, it was really like, uh, I just saw this thing in my post box and I was like, of course it would be today. And I, and I've kind of ended up going on this little journey of ritually burying this tooth and um, kind of really, uh, as you were saying, you know, like how important, you know, uh, we used to uh, sort of understand how important teeth were like to our ancestors. They were this hugely deeply like intrinsic mineral deep kind of boulders within our body that we would have for our whole lives and and um yeah so it was really funny and then when I I went upstairs with my mouth all packed out and feeling gross and having had this situation and, and it was scary and traumatic and when I was actually in the oral surgeon's chair that day um he had kind of held my head and obviously been had to be quite brutal to remove this tooth and as this happened and I held the nurse's hand and I was crying and I was telling myself you must let go you must let go you must let go and surrender and I was kind of mothering myself through it and at the same time he said something about getting his forceps and I was born myself as a forceps baby and I had this moment of like my head being maneuvered 
and then having spoken to another friend afterwards she you know we talked about how um, when women were hung and how you know that connection to um yeah that kind of deep connection um, to all of this different threads I guess and so I came home and I was a bit sort of out on painkillers or whatever but I I unraveled um Anne's name and I was like okay so Anne is my middle name which of course initially was like right I've got to find out who this woman is and I looked her up and um I didn't have a great deal of energy and I was kind of I knew that part of my process and part of my recovery for the next couple of days would actually be really helpful to have something to focus on that was kind of there in front of me that I you know I could not be on my phone or anything and I would just sit with it and um it was the craziest thing because it was almost as if the minute I just tapped into her it was like I, I had no idea what I was going to do and suddenly it was like she was just speaking through me and 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 it was like um I don't know if you can tell but kind of um as soon as I turned the spoon upside down, I really saw that as the hangman's noose. And I thought that's kind of, I don't know, it really felt. And so I, I did the noose and I, um, I embroidered that around. Mm -hmm. And then of course the, uh, the broom, uh, you know, for witches is kind of sweeping away and both that kind of double thing of sweeping away the past, but also, um, of, of clearing and of, of transmuting the cauldron of course the transmutation the transformation Sarah Dwen's cauldron um the fire and 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 her just as this this sort of being that was like persecuted and 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 feels trapped and um you know and I haven't quite got there yet but I, I guess at the moment I'm still in the kind of uh, I'm still in the descent with her but I'm hoping to really bring up um more of the spiritual aspects in the moon and kind of um you know um find a way to so yeah it, it, it her healing my healing journey sorry with my tooth weirdly <laughs> somehow all connected together and I went on this huge deep journey for the next couple of days just um I felt with Anne like really deeply honoring her and what must that have felt like you know to have been ostracized and yeah so I'll stop talking now but yeah that's it in a nutshell <laughs> thank you so much for sharing with the, all of the interconnectedness with what was going on in your life personally when you got this you know when you wrote for it and you received it on the day I mean I wonder if the artist who you're requesting these spoons from it does she share about any process that she goes through as far as choosing a particular name for a particular person i don't know she hasn't made it explicit if she does i'm sure she you know if she's you know creating this project artistically i'm sure she is on on some level really connected to right. who she's pulling out and right. i don't know and that they're in, I mean, even if she's just saying pulling them out of a hat um, or out of a bag, right? She's just pulling out the next one uh, from the list, right? The, the timing of all of that, the synchronicity of the timing and the connectedness. And, you know, we are 
meaning makers. You know, we, especially those of us who've been on a, seek, a seeker's path, we, we tend to get into the habit of seeing symbolism everywhere and finding meaning everywhere. And that's part of the healing journeys to say, oh, this is meaningful and that's meaningful and all these interconnected pieces are meaningful as which is so healing even just to affirm and experience it that way um as opposed to this the you know what we were taught in school that that nothing really is connected and that you know nothing has any kind of significance or meaning and it's this empty dry life that we're destined for it's like no thank you i'm gonna put poetic beauty <laughs> and meaning everywhere thank you very much that's how i want to live my life so i appreciate you for for doing so as well and i'm so intrigued <laughs> by this project so as uh, and and i can really feel the priestessing in this project and i can imagine that anybody who discovers this project and and reaches out to receive a spoon. Um, it, it, you know, it has a, a, some kind of an awareness of, you know, I'm I'm doing a healing by participating in this project. I'm um, creating something new with it. So I'm I'm loving the the hintings that you're um, giving uh, as you're describing some of the imagery and the symbolism that, um, you know. You, you talked about you're in the descent of really um, experiencing the the suffering of this this person and the stripping away of everything of her life and what was precious to her through the process of being persecuted and you know, I, I'm assuming that you're referring to the descent of, say, Persephone or Inanna, um, which listeners might be familiar with the, these mythologies that are symbolic of our descent every month in menstruation into the underworld, the descent of um, the, the sun into the nighttime every every day and every night, the, the descent of the moon into the dark darkness, every dark of the moon and the descent of our seasons into the winter every year. And so there's so much when you say you're in the descent, there's so much meaning and symbolism um, from all of this, this rich priestessing mythology that I just wanted to bring into light for, for listeners and bring into the awareness of the listeners. Because as a fellow yeah. priestess, I'm like, descent, it brings up all these things just with that one word, it brings up all this meaning. And so I just wanted to speak to that. And then, yes. then the priestessing process then is, and, and this is the same with birth, you know, when we go into birth as birth keepers and as birthing people, there's a descent into that void, that um, place where life and death meet, where spirit and form meet, where all dualities come together. And, and it's a place of everything and nothing all at once. And this is the stuff of mysticism and connection with the divine and where human and divine meets all right there at that moment of emptiness, of nakedness, of completely being stripped of of anything in the face of the power 
of birth, of new life coming into this world. And um, I can go on and on about this, as I'm sure you can too. So that yeah. that that journey into birth is often it, we talk about it in that in that same mythological context of the descent. And then there's the return from that that you were also referring to as you were starting to describe some of the other images that you would um, eventually add of saying, okay, we've gone to that point of, you know, everything being swept away with the witch's broom, everything being burned away, everything being boiled down and um, alchemized. And now we get to choose what we return with. Yeah what we reach what we're going to create how we're going to nurture this new life that we're being resurrected into that we're giving birth to what you know what we're going to build and so i'd love to hear you talk about that a little bit just in what what it's building for you what what do you see and i know you're not quite there because you're still in the in the in the descent could you imagine what that might, what directions you're seeing that might be happening for you and for, for what is Anne gonna be bringing into this world through you in this resurrection that you're, that you're, um, that you're taking part in? It's a really good question. And I think um, it's, it's, it feels very clear to me that, um, she was persecuted by another woman. And I think um, that is maybe where my work is going, is, is in how we bring more awareness and healing to this intrinsic sort of witch wounding or feminine wounding, um, for me specifically. I mean, I know there's many ways you can go with it, but I feel that, um, you know, that, we don't want to be burnt again. We don't want to be going around this cycle, which is really um, inherently traumatic and um, painful and um, deeply disturbing. And so I feel like for me, it is, it's really percolating around, I think it's that, that you know, kind of, that phrase that gets bandied around a lot of how do we create like sacred space? How do we, you know, even in the everyday, like how do we go about meeting one another without burning one another down? How can we come from that place of, um, yeah, that containment of ourselves and in order to really um, meet another person and we all show up with our shadows and our wounds and our triggers so how do we uh, navigate that with one another and and do we have a set of like not rules because rules are made to be broken but is are there tenants that we can work with within our work that allow us to see when that wounding is really taking over how do we come back to anchoring ourselves in in like that that truth of our souls as being, you know, all human and all here on this journey and all here to kind of do the work of, of the next iteration of healing as I see it anyway, that kind of, um, 
you know, what is our soul's purpose here? And I don't know, mine seems to be very intertwined with how I marry up the, um, you know, like with my mother, like how do I, how do I um, forgive, but also integrate and experience that I don't have the opportunity to change and I can't, you know, heal it, but how do I integrate it in a healthy way? And how do I then utilize that, you know, turning your poison to power, which is such an important one, I think. Um, yeah. When I, what do you what do you think? What's your um, what's your next ascent? <laughs> well, the, there are some threads in what you were sharing there. You know, when you started out with talking about how Anne was persecuted by another woman. And and I heard some threads in what you were sharing about how can we how can we come together? How can we forgive? How can we really receive and give to each other in ways that builds us up in this collective healing process? Because yes, we're on individual healing journeys, but that's not complete until we heal as a collective. Mm -hmm. um, and so, it, what was coming up for me when you were sharing all of that is that the lesson of I think a big lesson that we can that we can receive collectively from this experience of the persecution of the witches and the persecution of so many different populations around the world is that standing together is where we stand a chance. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I think I need to take a sacred pause. <laughs> Give me one minute and I'll... All right. So anyway, what we were saying, what I was saying was that this, the big lesson that it feels to me to come out of this for us collectively is how we can come together and um, work together towards this collective healing and I feel like this project that you're working on is a perfect example of something that can that can happen and also it's something that um, that I have been really looking at and feeling into lately is how do we support each other and come together and let let the things that might divide us or separate us actually be sources of greater intimacy and more connection. And that, that requires healing in and of itself to bridge those gaps. And it requires each of us to stretch and widen our capacity for forgiveness and for reaching across these things that seem to be dividing us. Um, but the thing is, uh, folks who, who are benefiting by, you know, receiving the privileges of these systems of division and persecution that we're all suffering from, they're not really benefiting, but they think they are. Um, and, and they want, everyone that they're dominant over to be at odds with each other and we fall Divide and conquer. right and so we fall into that when we for example think that 
somebody else's approach to healing isn't as good as our approach and go on and on about that and criticize each other for this or that and it, it, there may be some validity in that but i want i my dream and my vision is for us to find ways to question each other and inspire each other into greater awareness and deeper healing and you know more fruitful flourishing together that doesn't have to involve shaming each other for where we see that somebody has done badly or you know shaming each other for our shortcomings right can we can we step away from the the, the typical ways of relating that create more harm yeah. and move towards ways of relating that foster partnership and growing together and that uplift each other so that, that's some of the message that i was receiving when you were sharing what you were sharing those are some of the threads that teased out for me in what you were sharing like how can we relate to each other in ways that that brings a healing balm to these wounds that we all share and you know that ultimately i feel is what will heal the underlying wounds in the bullies and the dominators that are creating that that perpetual need to dominate and bully and be greedy and take everything for themselves and overpower everyone um, so i just feel like we can focus on relating in a different way that's not about dominating and overpowering and like that so that's that's yeah. to answer your question what i see in all of that and um yeah yeah it's beautiful it's beautiful and i think you're you know it, it's exactly how i feel as well i feel that um there's this real culture of shaming and blaming and continue continuing to perpetuate pain um and i think ultimately you know interestingly those who maybe have fallen into that kind of you know dominance or bullying um you know they're usually the ones with the biggest walls and with with the most pain maybe behind them right that's one of the deepest understandings of like the shadow work and the trauma work and um is that we understand that there are these kind of narratives that play out you know the idea of victim and oppressor um you know you know these sorts of things that kind of um play out and as you say it's it seems to be um that one of the ways that we could do that is to recognize that that's not a useful way for anything to change but then the question is um does that person see it as wanting change if they are feeling like they are dominant and therefore in control and therefore that makes them feel good? Which, as you said, is like it's 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 a complex and very nuanced one, isn't it? Um, uh, if you are benefiting from that behavior. So, yeah, Well, what's come to me in my meditations and in my experience around that is that I I personally and and I can I can 
can, I imagine that I can extrapolate this to other people's experiences. But I personally have had the experience that I would be blind to my own privilege until some mysterious awakening that takes place. And it's not until I am somehow mysteriously ready for that awakening to my privilege mm -hmm. and how I'm harming others that I will be able to see it. Mm -hmm. And even if people try to tell me that I'm harming them, I won't see it until I am ready. Mm -hmm. you know, and especially if they're trying to tell me in a shaming way, mm -hmm. if I'm not ready to see it, I won't see it. Mm -hmm. and I'll just put the blame back on them that they're just being whatever mm -hmm. and so it's not until there's some mysteriously sourced readiness within me that I'm able to see and own whatever it was that I was doing that was harming someone else and mm -hmm. start to make take the steps to make the changes to end that and transform it into something that is beneficial for myself mm -hmm. and others. Not mm -hmm. beneficial for me, but beneficial for others. And that's a mm -hmm. shift that we need collectively, that it's not just about each individual doing whatever they are doing to benefit themselves. Because mm -hmm. if, that, if it's at the harm of others, at the expense of others, that benefit isn't true. That's stolen benefit and it's at a deficit to their energetic what what things add up for them energetically and spiritually mm -hmm. they're at a, they're mm -hmm. running on a deficit it's borrowed mm -hmm. energy it's stolen energy yeah it's harming anybody else and yeah. so that that creates a collective imbalance when there are some that are benefiting and others that are being harmed by their benefit mm -hmm. and so when we become aware of that there's a mysterious awakening that happens to make one aware of that that no one can shove down anyone's throat it happens from within and my in my meditation my experience it arises from mother earth it's like a sprout that comes up through the soles of our feet that comes up through our pelvic floor and awakens within us this awareness that that nobody can force on anyone else and it mm -hmm. has to do with the readiness of not only myself as an individual, but the readiness of the world to receive what's coming up through me, the readiness of the collective to receive this rebalancing of energy that's going to take place once I become aware of that imbalance and start to rectify it for myself individually. And then that starts to radiate out. So the vision that I received, the, the message I received when I was in deep meditation asking, how will we heal this collective imbalance? How will these dominators, these bullies, these greed mongering, you know, multi-quadrillionaires that have, you know, one or two people having all the money in the world while all these people are starving and, and, and suffering, how is this imbalance going to be rectified? They're not, they have no motivation to do it. Nobody can tell them what to do. Well, the same way that it's happened for me on these countless smaller and bigger things that I've become aware of from some inner awakening. And that it, there, there's a readiness of all of the people 
having those inner awakenings adding up to a certain energetic of being able to hold when you know these super imbalanced super dominating bullies who are addicted like to on some horrible drug like heroin to siphoning off of everybody else's energy mm -hmm. them to realize that and come off of that drug it's going to be huge withdrawals and they're going to need big holding yeah they're going to need enough people to really have that sense of compassionate holding so I don't know if we'll see that in our lifetime or maybe on an individual or smaller community level. Mm. Um, but that that's the vision that I have is that eventually there's going to be from this intrinsic thing that's going to happen energetically for humanity as a collective. And what that's going to look like is probably going to be messy. It's already messy. You know, yeah. if, if we survive <laughs> this environmental crisis, you know, if there's enough of us awakening to that and miracles start happening because people get real creative at the moment of like, oh my gosh, are we going to survive? That's when real creativity starts to happen and real brilliance starts to awaken. And, yeah. And like that. And, and, you know, as we're, coming up with these brilliant solutions and miracles happen then that's then that's when these big healings can start to occur for people who are really ill in a big way so i don't know if any of that makes sense but we caught it all on the audio so we can go back and listen later and see what i actually said <laughs> no i think it was an amazing transmission i think it was really really spot on and as you say it's it's kind of it's like that tower card isn't it it's like the the crumbling and 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 there's going to be a need for so much compassion and it's really interesting to see how people you know who have any kind of um media attention or are kind of well-known figures of how they are you know either you know christ-like or then suddenly you know vilified and and um it's, it's such a funny game because already within the media, that is a game in and of itself, but we're talking about real human beings. And I find it really interesting how uh, we can dehumanize people and, and how that is a big problem in and of itself in terms of this work and in terms of um, how we decide to label, or as you say, I think the shame one is such a, it's such a deep, deep wound and it is so um, deteriorating and so tough because it speaks so deeply to being ostracized or being out of out of our clan or, you know, um, out of those the, the basic things that we need to survive as an individual, but also as a collective and um, I think it speaks to that somewhat of how we've ended up in this situation where there is such a, you know, a maelstrom of, of shaming and blaming and um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to step back and really kind of acknowledge when, when these storms happen, even on a smaller level, you know, um, with, with not so well-known people kind of like witnessing everyone playing their part in some strange TV show. And you can really see everyone playing their roles really well, you know, and it's, it's so fascinating. 
to kind of have that awareness. Um, yeah. Well, listen, Laura, I could go on and on with you all afternoon. <laughs> that earlier, um, or I say this all the time, I get on these calls and, um, but uh, I just want to give folks a chance if, if they wanted to reach out to you and learn more about this project or more about your work that you shared about, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, so the project is Karen Thompson's project. So that is the Medicine Spoon Memorial. Um, but for me, my name is Laura Swan. And um, my website is theholisticbirthkeeper.co.uk. Um, and yeah, I think, um, I think my work is shifting. And as you said, I think that this descent time is a really interesting one. And I'm kind of, we'll see where it goes. Um, I'm hopefully holding uh, a big woman's um, circle in summer solstice and um, and yeah some other little kind of projects that are coming up around yeah everything we've been speaking about and and coming back to our mother and our womb and and mother earth and so yeah that feels important mm. to say <laughs> yeah, indeed thank you so much so hopefully will you be able to share links for me, for, yes. for those, yeah. well, several links, one for the, the medicine yeah. project so that in case anyone else wants to participate, do you have to be a, a, a citizen in the UK to participate in oh, That's a really good question. I'm not sure actually, um, it'd be good to ask her, reach out. As you say, it could be an offshoot onto a whole new, much bigger yeah. <laughs> project. Great. Yeah. So, Okay, so folks can reach out to um, to her and also to Laura through links in the show notes. So hopefully you'll share yeah. some of those links with us. All right, and folks know that if you wanna learn more about what's happening at the Womb Center Healing Temple, you can go to wombcenterhealing.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and you'll be notified about new episodes of the podcast, as well as blog articles and upcoming courses and events. Um, you can also, if you're watching this on YouTube, please hit the like button, hit the subscribe button and click the notification bell so that you'll get notifications about the latest episodes that are out on YouTube. All right. That's all for now. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, Laura. And um, until next time. <laughs>